0: But if you close your are- eyes. Hello everyone. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to This Week Again. I'm your host, Suzanne Posel. We're gonna start off this show with why evangelicals are suddenly rejecting Jesus. Move on to how the GOP debates align with Christian nationalism and follow all of that up with an update on our ongoing docuseries, Republicans rewrite the Georgia rule. Let's begin, shall we? We are living in exciting times, my friends. This week, India became the fourth nation to successfully land an unmanned spacecraft on the moon. Now, Russia also sent an unmanned spacecraft that they intended to land on the moon, but instead it crashed and broke into a thousand pieces, which makes me wonder, was it made of Legos? Hmm, but I digress. The totally not gloating president of India wanted to shove that hilarious interstellar disaster into Russia's tiniest leader's face at the BRIC summit going on in Johannesburg. But apparently Pooh can't set one of his toddler-sized feet in Johannesburg because he'll be arrested for war crimes against Ukraine. <laughs> so sad for the president of India. Meanwhile, in the United States, a disaster of biblical proportions is happening to America's most popular Bronze age mythology. Apparently, the story of Jesus, recorded in four novellas nearly a lifetime after the supposed fact, which contradicts each other because continuity didn't really exist in storytelling until the MCU, is too liberal for today's Republican Jesus freak.
1: According to a new report... Evangelicals are now whining about the fact that Jesus Christ from the Bible is a little too woke for them. Jesus is a little too liberal for today's conservative evangelicals.
0: Evangelical people of faith have increasingly uh, begun to reject some of the more loving teachings of Jesus Christ and the uh, Christian religion. Self-professed Christians who believe that the Bible and teaching and its teachings are subversive. Oh, your God. Subversive. Okay. But wasn't that Jesus's whole shtick with the overthrowing of the furniture in the temple because people were doing business there and he didn't like that. And then all of that talk about rich people and camels and needles. What about blessed are the poor and love thy neighbor? (laughs) No way. That shit's apparently for liberals. Because in 2023, Republican Jesus is what the cult members crave. But don't take my word for it. Russell Moore, former official for the Southern Baptist Church, said as much in his interview with NPR. Roll tape.
1: Well, it was the result of having uh, multiple pastors tell me essentially the same story about quoting the Sermon on the Mount parenthetically uh, in their preaching. Turn the other cheek. Uh, to have someone come up after and say, where did you get those liberal talking points? And what was alarming to me is that in, in most of these scenarios, when the pastor would say, I'm literally quoting Jesus Christ, uh, the response would not be, I apologize. The response would be, yes, but that doesn't work anymore. That's weak. And it, it, when, when we get to the point where the, the teachings of Jesus himself are seen as subversive to us, then we're in a crisis.
0: Oh, come on now, Russ. What did you expect when evangelical churches started getting involved with politics back in the 80s? What did you think that that would rot? Your leaders like Jimmy Swaggart hooked up with then-presidential candidate Ronald Reagan and proclaimed it's time for Christians to come out and vote their religion. What did you think would happen? And let's not forget... All those pastors yelling about abortion and Democrats and Satan. I personally, seriously couldn't see this turning out any other way. But the icing on this turd sandwich is how Republican politicians, evangelical pastors, and even their sheep, from Capitol Hill to Winchesterton Fieldville, Iowa, have been openly discussing how to remake America in their Jesus image. This country belongs to God Almighty.
1: We desire to live in a Judeo-Christian nation. There has been a dawning awareness of the fact that whereas the society basically agreed with us on almost every important issue, outsiders would call the United States a Christian nation. I say it proudly, we should be Christian nationalists. The church is supposed to um, direct government. We are the Christian Taliban. I want a government that keeps marriage what it's always been. We are definitely a Christian nation and should be a Christian nation. We're fighting a cultural war. The right will have a tendency to take up arms. We're taking our country back.
0: And God has called upon many yes. people yes. to take back this world. Yes. You'll have God back in the, in the government. You get God back in the schools. Where
1: are my Christian nationalists at in this room? Thank you. You cannot separate God from politics. You can't take him out of our government. I hope it ends up in us finding a way to have our own, maybe regions of the nation, and living peacefully together.
0: That is just a taste of what 74 million maggots in this country either wholeheartedly believe or sure as shit believe, but aren't willing to admit it publicly. And I don't think for a second there is a difference between Republican Jesus freaks and those who are Christian cult adjacent because they're both feckless fascists who either smeared shit on the walls of the Capitol on January 6th or cheered the ones who did on. Either way, Al-Qaeda is a serious problem for our Democratic Republic, our entire education system, and any equality in the law since 1964. And... I'm not talking about some distant future that we can pass off to a next generation who are barely out of diapers at this point. I'm talking about right the fuck now. You've probably heard the phrase Christian nationalism, and perhaps you thought to yourself, aw, it's kind of cute. Christians want to have their very own homeland. Until you realize the nation Christians are talking about colonizing and Christianizing is the United States of America. And then you smirk because... Christianity does have a long history of colonizing everywhere it's gone so then maybe you shrug your shoulders because this seems like a lot and you can barely afford to make rent each month so let alone worry about what a bunch of white people are talking about with this America and Christian nation and all this I want to stop you right there because this is why you should give a fuck
1: So Christian nationalism privileges a religious identity with citizenship to also have an ethnic or racial uh, component to it around European descent or whiteness. What's different now uh, is that the country is no longer majority white and Christian. And I think that threat, white Christians no longer knowing they're in control uh, demographically, culturally, politically, um, is why we're seeing it kind of come to the fore. You can't separate this passion to overthrow the nation's capital with violence on January 6th from the rhetoric that you hear on Christian radio. I do think we're seeing kind of a test run of some of this rhetoric. And I I think it is kind of dip the toe in the water, see how this plays on the campaign trail with a rev up to 2024.
0: Uh, You know what, that is a really good point and something that I thought was the case as well, at least after I watched the GOP debates. A few things stood out to me and one of them was the very privileged billionaire and Republican's newest token, son of an immigrant, Mr. Vivek Ramaswamy. His views give off Christian nationalism, and it made me wonder if he's just a test to see how far right Republicans can take America before it just becomes too obvious we're a fascist nation. For example... After the 2022 midterms, it became crystal clear that Gen Z is a force to be reckoned with and a problem for Republicans going forward. Good thing Ramaswamy used his billionaire privilege to come up with a solution to the GOP's not-enough-votes-to-win elections issue.
1: The Constitution is, first of all, the best operating document for a free society known to mankind. One of the things that we don't do a good enough job of in this country is teaching the next generation what the Constitution actually says. If you want to be 18 years old, graduate from high school, and cast a ballot in this country at a young age, you better at least pass the civics portion of the test that immigrants have to pass to actually come to this country. real problem is we have to have a population and a culture in this country that's committed to it in the first place.
0: Well, well, well. Pass a civics test. Or you can't vote until you're 25 years old. Because Vivek here is upset that American students don't know enough about civics. Civics. The same subject along with art, music, PE, and many others that have been cut down from every single day to once or twice a week. Because of Republican policies to defund public schools for the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years? Yeah. How the fuck is the average American child supposed to pass the test when they're barely taught the subject in the first place? Spoiler alert, they're not. And that will result in a new voting age becoming 25 instead of 18, if Republicans can have their way. And no more pesky young people messing up the GOP's American makeover Christian Nationalist Edition. Because if there's one thing every nation under the rule of Republican Jesus needs, it's a ban on abortion. And who better to lead the charge with a completely made-up story than putting fingers himself from the flaccid state of Florida, Mr. Ron DeSantis?
1: I believe in a culture of life. I was proud to sign the heartbeat bill that Democrats are trying to do on this issue is wrong to allow abortion all the way up to the moment of birth. I know a lady in Florida named Penny. She survived multiple abortion attempts. She was left discarded in a pan. Fortunately, her grandmother saved her and brought her to a different hospital.
0: Wow, that does sound like an incredible story, and not at all in the remotest place on Earth, even in the realm of possibly being an accurate retelling of Whatever this folklore tale dreamed it could be. Now, before anyone in the back starts getting all yelly about the fact that Penny in a Pan exists, I'll admit it right here. There is a woman alive named Miriam Hopper who identifies as Penny, says she was born in 1955 in a hospital in Florida. You know what? Let me let Penny from the Pan tell it. My mother entered the local clinic, Wachula Infirmary,
1: with complications at 23 weeks. She was extremely ill and experiencing spotting. But the doctor arrived at the clinic in his pajamas and in night shoes. After examining my mother, he listened for a heartbeat and he said, I do not hear a heartbeat, we're going to have to abort. He induced the abortion by giving my mother a shot. He looked at both my parents and he said, You do not want this baby to live. If it lives, it will be a burden on you all your life. Before returning home, he looked at the nurse and he gave her orders to discard the baby dead or alive. When I came into the world weighing one pound, 11 ounces, the nurse wrapped me in a face towel, placed me in a bedpan on the back porch of the clinic. My grandmother and my aunt Ruby came down to visit with my mother. My grandmother, later described by my father, went into orbit when she found out that I was alive. She was so upset about the circumstances that she contacted the local police. The nurse who cared for my mother volunteered to transport me to Morrell Hospital in Lakeland, Florida. I had pneumonia several times. My hair turned copper red from the oxygen and the isolate. The nurses ended up naming me Penny because of the color of my hair, and that is a name
0: I still carry today. I gotta hand it to her. That is an incredible story, and I am very sorry that Miriam believes it. First off, her mother went to the doctor at 23 weeks of pregnancy because she was worried about complications, which says to me this was a wanted pregnancy, not an abortion attempt. Secondly, Miriam was born in 1955 at a time when abortion was not an option, even in the hospital. And infant death was a guarantee before 23 weeks, because they did not have the technology available to prevent it until 1980-something with the use of ventilators for preemies. So Miriam's claim that the doctor opted to automatically yeet the fetus is historically inaccurate. And another thing, there's no way in any reality that we know of where a 23-week-old baby would survive in a pan on a back porch for any amount of time. Even with modern technology and round the clock care in a NIC unit, a 23 week old baby has a 23 to 27% chance of living long enough to have three kids and nine grandchildren, as Miriam did. Like I said, that is an incredible story, that penny in the pan, but about as believable as the TUI family's depiction of NFL superstar Michael Orr in the blind side. And, oh, while we're on the subject of children, one public school in Florida was sick and tired of having very low test scores. So the administrators rounded up all the black children enrolled in that school and took them to one place, the auditorium, to have a good old-fashioned talking to. A school assembly under scrutiny after African American students
1: at a Flagler County Elementary School were singled out for low test scores. According to the school district, it happened at Bennell Elementary School. The PowerPoint, the district showing what three staff members presented to students inside the school's cafeteria. It includes several grammatical errors listed under the problem. AA referring to African-Americans, quote, have underperformed in standardized assessments for the last past three years. One of the things that they were told, actually a couple of things they were told were things like if they ended up not improving on their test school scores and not going to college because of that and not being, quote, successful, they could end up being in jail, being shot, and even being killed
0: because when your PowerPoint presentation has grammatical errors in it and you're being extremely racist, of course you do. This shining moment in white supremacy happened in Florida. The superintendent for the school has apologized only publicly, and the principal for the school and one teacher has been placed on paid administrative leave. So none of these consequences feel satisfying. And that's because it's 2023 and several grown-ass adults at a school decided to not only single out only the black students and blame them for their failings to be able to teach a curriculum properly and then made the most racist PowerPoint presentation that I've ever heard of, which means their racism was intentional. And by the way, These were 4th and 5th graders, elementary school students, and the teachers bribed them with gift cards to places like KFC if their grades improved. What the actual fuck, Florida?
1: And now for something completely different.
0: If you happen to live under a rock and prefer to shove cotton balls in your ears, you probably haven't heard the glorious news. As of August 24th, All 19 future felons in the election fraud case happening in Fulton County, Georgia, have turned themselves in. And as promised, mugshots were made public, and they were taken, and memes were made, and oh, it was brilliant. Some of them have pointed out how Dingus Khan's mugshot's facial expression resembles Prince Vigo from Ghostbusters, but... I personally think Eric's dad is doing his best Blue Steel impression. <laughs> but that wasn't the biggest controversy surrounding the arrest and booking of Fatty Kruger. And I know you were thinking I was going to make jokes about Girth Vader's aides self-reporting his weight at 215 pounds and his height at 6 feet 2 inches, when we all know Jabba the Gut doesn't have the measurements of NBA player Eric Gordon, who is actually 6'2 and 215 pounds, because we can see him with our eyes. And, well, I hate to disappoint, but I've got to share with you this something that is way more important than laughing at Marlardo trying to convince us that his Pillsbury Doughboy physique measures the same as NFL star and Ravens quarterback, Lamar Jackson, who is actually six foot two inches tall and 215 pounds. So without further ado...
1: One of the important things about this Georgia case is that no federal pardon can save Trump from a case that's brought under state law. Once this case was pretty clearly moving toward indictment, Georgia Republicans gave themselves a new power to make this case go away for Donald Trump. A new law signed in May by Republican Governor Brian Kemp, a power to remove the prosecutor from her job. They moved up the start date of the law, so it actually goes into effect on October 1st this year. And sure enough, a Republican state senator in Georgia has just announced that as soon as this new remove the prosecutor law goes into effect in five weeks on October 1st, he is going to start proceedings in the Georgia's legislature to remove Fannie Willis from her
0: job. Spoiler alert, Republican Jesus freaks are really fascists cosplaying as conservatives and sneaky AF because they've legislated a way to protect their dear leader from actually serving any real prison time. Remember, folks, this case in Georgia was always about state charges. You know, the ones that presidents can't pardon away. And apparently neither can a governor of Georgia. But that pesky bump in the road wasn't going to stop the Republicans who decided to take matters into their own fascist grubby hands. And meanwhile, on Capitol Hill... The House Judiciary
1: Committee is launching an investigation into Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis, questioning her, quote, motivations for prosecuting former President Donald
0: Trump. It is also demanding she turn over information on the investigation.
1: U.S. House Judiciary Committee Chair Jim Jordan asking how she got information during the investigation. Jordan also asked Willis if she contacted the Department of Justice or White House officials during her investigation or used any federal money for it.
0: Oh, cue the pedophile adjacent former college coach turned brown noser and fanboy for the big Lebowski up to his old tricks, using the power that he has as a member of Congress to harass a district attorney who is upholding the laws in her state just like the oath of her office demands that she do. Because when you're trying to remake the United States in your white nationalist image, you cannot have a qualified and downright incredible black woman in the U.S. justice system indicting and potentially ensuring prison time on state charges for Scooby-Coo, your voter's favorite marginally sentient spray tan. And let's not forget, treasonous Jim launched a probe into New York Attorney General Alvin Bragg back in April of this year, ironically claiming the same sussiness he is now accusing Fonnie Willis of, just because Alvin filed 76 charges against Tiny Hands McGrifter for committing a Russian doll of crimes, including, but not limited to, falsifying business records to conceal payments to the National Enquirer for buying the stories of a former Playboy bunny and porn star who had <laughs> with the tangerine ball bag in an attempt to keep All of that out of the news during the 2016 presidential election. Looks like one-trick Jim is playing the only card he has in order to get information on Fonny's case for the traffic cone of treason and the 18 complete morons who helped him try to steal the 2020 election. While at the same time, Georgia Republicans are practicing their best Mr. Burns impression, salivating at the thought that in just five weeks, they can begin proceedings to tell Fonnie Willis, you're fired. And all because state charges cannot be pardoned away by a president. Hmm. And that's all I have to say about that. New episodes of This Week Again air every Sunday and follow the show on social media wherever you can find us. This Week Again is available for your listening pleasure on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to this show and to Dur for now.